0: Greetings, one and all, and welcome to Sports Talk. It is Thursday. We are less than 48 hours from the beginning of the Illini football season on Saturday, and we've got plenty to get into in that regard, as well as the start of the Big Ten season. Coming up, we'll visit with Coach Q, Nick Quartaro, who is a former college football coach in the Big Ten, former player in the Big Ten, And has uh, started up some columns as well in the News Gazette. And will be joining us here from week to week to talk some football. So Coach Q is coming up. Call it the Q&A session. Next hour, a couple of the Illini guys in Mike Cagley and Matt Stevens in studio to chat things up as well with Evan Kahn and myself. But this hour, Lauren Tate is here. We are back in studio. Good, sir. Good to see you. Good to be here. We have... A stunning development out of uh, Illinois football camp, and that is... Wait,
1: let me brace myself.
0: (laughs) That's the announcement that the starting quarterback will be Tommy DeVito. For all those who were wondering, uh, Brett Bielma today elected to inform us and make it a formal announcement that Tommy DeVito will be QB1 on Saturday. That has been the speculation all along. And...
1: He just decided to tell everybody what everybody already knew, and also what Coach Bowl knows at Wyoming. <laughs> we joked last night at the at his uh, radio show that Bowl knows what he's doing. He knows what Bowl's doing, but neither one will announce it to the media. And I guess he just decided today, what the heck?
0: It makes uh, it makes you think. So uh, we will dive into this here. Um, but first, let's hear from Brett Bielma himself on, uh, and this goes a few minutes here. But Tommy DeVito to kick us off, Brett Bielma on why he's quarterback number one.
2: Uh, Tommy's had an incredible um, uh, fall camp, but I would say Art uh, had a, his playing as good a football um, as, as we've been around him here. The, the surgery he had and the rehab and the, all the things that the, the doctors and trainers did has put him in a great position. Um, a year ago, going into our opener, had never played with BP, right? Uh, I know he played a lot of football, uh, but really we had two new transfers kind of coming in last year. This year to have the entire spring with with Tommy, uh, to, to have the uh, fall with Art and know where we've been in the past. I'm really excited to see those guys go to work. Um, and really, uh, from a health standpoint, uh, really just one guy uh, that's, that's uh, not, a, not a starter that would help us on special teams. Might be a questionable thing for the game, but otherwise we're very, very healthy and excited to go. What
1: would Tommy do specifically to win that job?
2: Um, I would say, you know, since we ride in fall camp, you know, Art was in, in spring ball, right? So I uh, wanted to see how they played off each other really once fall camp hit and then um, talk to them early on, um, you know, going into fall camp. Just, you know, concentrate on being the best you, things we always talk about. Um, I think Tommy has made a big jump from last spring to where we are, uh, really his composure in the pocket, learn how we play the game. Um, I'm not saying he's Russell Wilson, right? But but uh, when we got Russell, I remember the transition that he had to go from the offense he ran to the offense we ran in Wisconsin. And I see a lot of those same things with Tommy when he first got here. There was a silly day, um, uh, but he called a timeout during a practice and, and, and that's something we'd never do when coach control timeouts, um, cause we can do it from, or I can do it from the sideline. Um, and it was just that moment, right. Where I'm like, okay, he's got a lot of things we got to process and go through. And, uh, I, I would say the relationship that art and Tommy have and the way they've kind of worked off each other. And, um, you know, it's just been really impressive to me how he handles the team.
0: How's art handled this process? Right.
2: I brought him, uh, you know, obviously you guys have a chance to talk to art, but, um, I made a big deal last Sunday um, to our team about Art. A year ago, was in the same position, um, and he's doing it again this year. And because he prepared the way he did, we were able to beat Nebraska. We never know when the number's is going to be called. Let him be a lesson for everybody in that room. Uh, and then explain on the flip side, right? How uh, Art got replaced by VP later in the year. So you never know when this situation is going to come up. Um, uh, Art, like he, I think, his direct quote, or you know, said something. He goes, "I understand where we're at." He goes, "But I'm going to compete." And, Prepare as hard as I can. That's all he's done. Uh, Just really, really a huge uh, admiration for him.
0: So Tommy DeVito beats out Art Sidkowski as the first quarterback. And uh, that was not not a surprise to any of us. But yet uh, they kept it under wraps for a while.
1: Yeah, historically speaking, he's just a little better uh, runner than Sitkowski, and just a little better uh, in terms of completion percentage. So he's got uh, uh, an edge there in the two areas that are important. Leadership, I think that both of them are strong leaders. Uh, I don't know that that makes a difference. But they want to run the ball, and it helps to have a quarterback with a little
0: mobility. The Illini's offensive line is also confirmed. Yeah. Left tackle, Julian Pearl. Left guard, Isaiah Williams. Center, Alex Pilstrom. Right guard, Isaiah Adams. Right tackle, Alex Palcheski. The two. June, Juco transfers play the guard spots. We kind of knew that Isaiah Adams had down that left guard that was, sounded like there was a little bit of uh, open end on that right guard position. Well, it
1: position. Was Slaughter or Chrysler, yep. and I think Slaughter is probably prepared to play se- m- multiple positions if needed. Um, you know, a lot of the teams like to have a what I call a sixth man uh, for the offensive line, and um, he makes a good one. He can play several different positions if, if needed to be. That way, if you have a guy like that, you don't have to make the double change. You don't have to make the double switch where you have to change two positions. He'll just come in wherever needed. I don't know that he'll come in at center, however. I think that'll probably be Kroots, don't you?
0: Mm-hmm. I think they would, re- prefer- probably prefer a straight-up one-for-one sub instead of shifting everybody around mm-hmm. whenever that happens. Now, just for uh, a, a reference here, on, on on Saturday, a couple of uh, stats here. Uh, Julian Pearl is listed as 6'6", 315 pounds at left tackle. Alex Palcheski 6'6", 315 pounds. Uh, uh, Zy Chrysler, 6'6", 330 pounds isaiah Adams six five three hundred and fifteen, okay, so there's four guys that checking in at three fifteen or better, just as an example, defensive ends for Wyoming on their depth chart six three six two, and about two hundred and forty five pounds apiece mm-hmm. their nose tackles
1: that's just about minimal that you can be in in college football right now in terms of those positions.
0: Those nose tackles, 285 and 279. Mm-hmm. Their defensive tackles, 283, 300. And a couple of other defensive ends on the other side, 225 and 246. Defensive
1: we're, defensive linemen are always smaller than offensive linemen. That's true. That's normal.
0: But uh, we're talking 50 to 70 pounds here in some mm-hmm. cases. Yeah. I think Illinois may win the running game.
1: Well, this is a younger Wyoming team, and it is a... It's just an inexperienced team overall. They've got so many new players and so many young players. It's just a lot of sophomores and a lot of juniors and very few seniors.
0: In their too deep on offense, not in counting quarterbacks because they're official two-deep. Okay, On their official two-deep, they do not list a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, three, four juniors, five juniors, six juniors, seven juniors seniors one <laughs> i count one i count one senior in their two deep on offense there are y- mostly sophomores here some redshirt freshmen on their two deep same on the defensive side the, I- illinois should have should win this game handily
1: that's what i've been saying i mean i i, I just uh, you, you feel nervous when you say something like that but this illinois's got tremendous advantages now if they fumble the ball every time they did it, then that's a different story.
0: Yeah, I mean you can't make mistakes, but but um, this is a a much more um, together operation than it was a year ago. You can debate whether the talent is is higher or lower, wherever it is, but all in all, this is a more experienced program, uh, more professional, and um, and I'm talking about the transition from. The first year of a coaching staff into the second year of a coaching staff.
1: The second year for a staff is always yeah an improvement. And, and
0: I get we have yeah. a new offense to but, look at. But
1: you do have a new uh, coach on offense, and that you know I, I'm I'm glad they got a game in before they play Indiana because I think that's important. I'm agreed. They'll find out. They'll see some things that they want to work on.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. But um, I think I think this could be. Uh, I don't think this will be a 55-3 to three against a, a, Kent, like a Kent State or whatever, but it could be easily in Illinois' favor. If it's not, it may be a little bit of a flag.
1: Since this is announced today, uh, it makes it official, which we knew already. Eight of the last nine years, every year since Sheilhouse, eight of nine years since Sheilhouse was the Illinois quarterback, jun- as his transfer, starting with Lunt, A.J. Bush, Going right on through with Peters, so here we are, same old, same old story. We'll have uh, we'll have our quarterback Devito one season, and then we'll be looking for another quarterback. Now it could be uh, Sitkowski because he's got two years if he wants to mm-hmm. use two years, if he wants to, and I would think he probably will. I think he'd be the head, you know overwhelming favorite to start next year if he sticks around. Mm-hmm.
0: It's pretty rare uh, to get a freshman in there that's ready to go. So maybe a current freshman. I I know they, they like Donovan Donovan Leary, but he's mm-hmm. now he's now he's banged up. I think he's having a minor surgery. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's now a little to be back bit in behind. A
1: week or two, I guess. But, yeah. You know, I, I did that research on the quarterbacks. I think I think the last nine, ten, or eleven haven't made it. Haven't made the grade. I'm including Isaiah Williams in not making the grade at quarterback.
0: Yep. But receiver number one, or should be.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, no question, he's the number one. He's the number one guy that Lonnie's going to try to get the ball to.
0: Last night on his radio program that you heard here on DWS, Brett Bielma also said uh, he he thinks it may be breakout time for Brian Hightower mm-hmm. and Pat Bryant at the yeah. receiver position. Yeah, Brian Hightower is as healthy as he's ever been. Pat Bryant, largely a blocking receiver last year. But they like him. I got a chance to talk with him this week. He's sharp. We'll see what happens.
1: It's, it's hard to understand that we have so many receivers, and everybody's got fast receivers there on all across the land. It's just that some have a knack for creating space for the quarterback to throw to them. Some of them have that knack. We saw what Bell did for Purdue. I mean, is he that much faster than everybody else, or is it just a knack that he has?
0: And then there's other receivers... Like Mikey Dudek, mm-hmm. that if the ball's in his vicinity, he just finds mm-hmm. out, figures out a way to grab. You
1: it. don't have to be the fastest guy on the team, but there's there's that knack. Dudek had that knack.
0: You always have the first step, mm-hmm. so you only have to run as fast as the guy defending you. <laughs> just don't be slow. Well, yeah, but
1: it, <laughs> it's how sharp your cuts are. I, I mean, that's that's really critical. I and High Tower can make those cuts. But I but I, I'd like to see some kind of. Um, uh, familiarity between the quarterback and the receiver, where they can, where the quarterback can start to count on a guy, you know, or can he count on Can he count on Hightower? Is, is he able to do that? Will Washington step in there? So, it, we see that all over the, and the problem, I remember when we had a succession of coaches here who, uh, offensive coaches who ran their own plays, and that was Mike White, followed by Makovic, and then, of course, uh, Turner all were pro coaches during their careers at some point and all emphasized the passing game the drop back passing game they didn't have a lot of running quarterback mike white didn't have he had pretty slow guys really when you have williams and easton and and george and that crew and 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 i, I mean, i well he didn't uh McEvick had george but my point is that we had a style then. We had a system that w- worked from year to year. And the problem with Illinois offensively is they have a new coordinator every year and every year and every year. And we never develop what I would call a style like Wisconsin. You, you may not like Wisconsin's style, but their running style turns out a thousand yard rusher every year.
0: By the way, very interesting article in The Athletic today about uh, 10 years Later to the day when Russell Wilson started as a quarterback for Wisconsin, and uh, how that came to be is Wilson was down to Wisconsin or Auburn. A number of people involved with that are quoted, um, including Brett Bielma and Paul Crist. And one of the reasons was huge linemen that attracted Russell Wilson. He saw protection, he saw plenty of protection. And and, uh, they said, We don't see you as exclusively as a running. Running quarterback, and that also was appealing to him. Wisconsin
1: uh, never has a running quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's their style; it's their
0: system. Yep, and and well, and, similar and, to basketball, and, they have a system that works, right. and then once that's in a right. while, they get an elite, elite guy that puts them over the top—a mm-hmm. Frank Kaminsky, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a Johnny Davis. Although, I mean, he, Wisconsin didn't quite get to the top there, but you know what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. it, it it works.
1: No, I I. That's, I, I was just repeating myself about the fact that Illinois needs to develop something like that system. I was got a defensive system. They had 25 interceptions last year. They've had over 20 three times since 2017. 20 interceptions is a lot of interceptions. Illinois never has 20 interceptions, ever. And what I'm pointing out is that Phil Parker there has established something that works year after year after year. And they... That's their, that's their brand. That's their style. Ball
0: Hawkeyes. Coach Cortaro will join us, Coach Q, for our Q&A session. When we come back, I'll view the Big Ten, Northwestern, Nebraska, kickoff in Ireland, this one as well. And if you didn't know, Coach Q has some connections to this Illinois football staff. So that's straight ahead. Illinois football kicking off on Saturday. It's a 3 p.m. start, but our tailgate party will begin at 1230 in Grange Grove. If you'd like some tickets to get in and enjoy some food and drink, do so uh, by getting some tickets by winning them. Go to our website, WDWS.com, and click on the contest page. You can register to win tickets into the tailgate you do not need tickets to the football game to come to the tailgate and uh, we will be doing our pregame show there as well we start at one o'clock with the ryan dallas real estate pregame show two hours before illinois and wyoming well we bring in our friend coach q it's nick cortaro he's a seasoned football coach which stops many of which were in the Midwest, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, and others, most recently at Rutgers, also an Iowa alum as a former kicker. You may have seen his columns appearing in the News Gazette, and he joins us now for, I'm calling the session, our segment, Coach, Coach Q&A. Is that okay?
3: That works. Yeah, that works,
0: Scott. Sure. I like that. Well, today, uh, Brett Bilma unveiled his starting quarterback in Tommy DeVito. That wasn't a surprise to many, yet uh, it was kept under wraps, ostensibly to keep Wyoming off balance. My question is, does that really work when coaches are not revealing their starting quarterback to keep the other team off balance, A, and does it have any impact, B, on how they plan
3: I think, first of all, that if you had a true uh, quarterback battle going on with two guys that had different skill sets, then maybe that might have a little more merit to kind of keeping it behind uh, closed doors for a while. In this case, yes, DeVito moves around a little bit better, but I think as we talked with Lauren and Steve on Saturday, really the $64,000 question is how much of the UTSA offense and how much of Traditional uh, Bielema offense will be used more so than the actual quarterback. So I don't know that that's so big a deal uh, in that regard. And then when you look at uh, Wyoming guys, uh, their quarterback transferred in from Utah State because the Wyoming quarterback from last year transferred to Utah State, <laughs> of all strange things. So they pulled a little switcheroo and uh, Peasley, now Wyoming quarterback, had a great year, uh, got him to a bowl game and had a super year overall for Utah State. So, I mean, there was no question he was going to be the guy. And as to why that wasn't announced, I'm not sure.
0: We were also looking at the offensive line Measurements, just straight physical. And of course, as Lauren pointed out, defensive ends in particular are always going to be smaller than offensive linemen. But Illinois has a huge size advantage. At some point, no matter what you're doing, does physics just take over in a game like this?
3: Yeah, they can. You know, really the important thing is that those big guys can bend. They can bend in the hips, bend in their knees, and get down where they can establish some leverage. So when it is short yardage, you're, you're able to come off the ball with, uh, like I say, low pad level and leverage against guys that might be just a little bit smaller. But I remember uh, listening to uh, a couple of clips from Brett throughout uh, fall camp or, you know, preseason, and he was really excited about the fact that the projected O-line would be, as we say in coaching, long. Now that's incredible reach which is really important to keep defenders away from you in terms of pass protection, and they're athletic, and it doesn't hurt that they're almost all over 300 pounds. So that's a a legitimate Big Ten offensive line in terms of size. And as you guys were saying, I was listening to you uh, uh, before I got on and to hear about Wyoming's guys up front. They lost some really good defensive ends. They're kind of excited about the talent. Replacing those defensive ends, but again, they're a little bit untested, but talented, and really they've got two solid defensive tackles. But as size goes and ability goes, uh, no slap at the Cowboys, but those are you know good, solid, I think average players in the Big Ten. So uh, it'll be important that the Illinois gets to show off a little bit with their offensive line matchup against the front seven of Wyoming on Saturday
1: we were talking a little bit about style and system uh before and i'm wondering Ken, it would look like based on what i see uh, in the freshman class and based on what i see in, the, in that front line that that, that uh illinois is trying to follow the wisconsin system maybe this that style and and be able to run the football uh, relentlessly against anybody is is do you think this possible that, that uh that Bielema has a, has a system that he can keep, that he can keep rolling here.
3: Well, you know, there's a definite philosophy. You know, let, let's trace it back. Brett was a defensive player at Iowa, earned his Spurs as a defensive assistant and a defensive coordinator. And when he got his chance to be a head coach, he was at Wisconsin, which is a you know ground and pound play action pass type offense and play incredibly incredibly tough defense. So that's a winning formula no matter where you are, right? So I think, you know, when you're playing in the Big Ten and, and weather gets cold late in the year, maybe super windy, bad conditions, if you can always run the ball with some dependability, you have a chance. And if you can stop the run, you've got a chance. The thing about the passing game, it's kind of like golf. You know, you, you drive for show and putt for dough. Everybody loves to see the ball in the air. Everybody loves to see big plays in the passing game. And if you get four, six, eight yards on a run, people just kind of sit there, maybe give you a little golf clap, but nothing too exciting. But really, where you make your money, so to speak, is running the ball when you have to run it and when the defense knows you have to run it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the ability to be physical in those cases and have better technique and more physicality, you're going to come up on the short end more, more times than not.
1: How much uh, difficulty is there in being the, a first-year offensive coordinator? I, I, we always talk about the second year as being, whoa, oh, the guy's been here a year, we expect a lot more. Here we are starting over again with Barry Lunny Jr.
3: Yeah, it, it, I think the I, tough is maybe too strong a word, but I think the adjustment comes not just for him, but for the offensive staff also, because he's really the only new guy in the room. Mm-hmm. When you're in those staff meetings, all those hours that coaches spend grinding away on practice tape, opponent tape, game planning—you name it—you know now you've got the leader who's the new guy, and four or five others that are getting you know acclimated and adapted to working together. So, to me, going into game one, the offensive coordinator is going to call his game. He's got his philosophy. He's got his game plan. And quite honestly, he'll do what he needs to do because he's done it before and he has good experience. I think where the other pieces fit in, uh, uh, Steve and Lauren, is game time adjustments, information, communication from the press box to the sideline among the other guys, and just working a legitimate game with the time clock element in play and never having done it before together as a staff. I think that's an undervalued and underrated aspect of a first game. So, uh, you know, obviously they've practiced it as best as they can so far, but there's nothing like the actual game. And then when you take the players, um, you know, learning a new system, I don't think is as bad as it used to be because nowadays, when I say nowadays, the last four or five years, and in particular the last couple of years, coaches are allowed so much more time with their players during the summer when it used to be forbidden Mm -hmm. so they've got walkthroughs they've got different types of workouts they have allowed film session time and all this stuff in addition to your 25 practices and days of activity leading up to kickoff in august so uh yes there's a bit of an adjustment and there is some learning but i really don't think it's that big a deal because the ability to teach and for the kids to learn is presented in so many more opportunities than it ever used to be. And the last thing I'll say in that regard is when it comes to the quarterbacks, I heard you talking about the transfers and all that. You know, those two guys are very bright guys. They've been in different systems. They live in the film room because that's what's expected and and necessary for them to do. And so, therefore, it's just a matter of calling a play they may know something in the new coordinator's terminology and really just getting acclimated and comfortable with that but i don't think them learning a new system is much of a problem at all
0: it's our coach q and a segment here on sports talk with nick quartaro who is a uh, former college coach and has had some extensive time in the big ten let's swing over to the other big ten football game and it's a conference game nebraska northwestern in ireland Uh, coach i i really don't know how to get my head around either these programs and what type of year they may have most uh prognosticators think northwestern will have another down year some think nebraska may have a renaissance finally some think nebraska is going to have another falter and this will be it for scott frost so how do you size this one up
3: well i'll pick up on your first thought you know uh, you guys know better than I do because you're right there and you see them every year. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald's done a super job with the Wildcats through the years. They've had a little bit of a roller coaster, super high and then down quite a bit. And this is the year if you're doing the roller coaster ride that they're supposed to bounce back and bounce back up there. Um, I think they'll be OK on offense. They've got a couple of good running backs. Uh, The O-line is very solid. They've got a first-round draft pick, Skoransky at left tackle. So he's he's great. They've got a couple solid receivers. I think they'll be okay offensively with one giant question mark, and that's quarterback. Last year, they were really, really poor offensively. They couldn't throw it at all. Uh, They were 125th in the country in scoring, and uh, they were in triple digits in pass efficiency also. So that that's the issue. Uh, if it's Ryan Halinski, the South Carolina transfer, he'll be in his second year. So you'd like to think, okay, year 2 I've been around, I'm comfortable. Uh, he's got a decent um, surrounding cast offensively. If he can hold up his end of the bargain and just play solid football as a QB, they'll be better on offense. Uh, defensively, Northwestern uh, lost some kids. And really, this is kind of sad. They had a great player at safety. Brandon Joseph was an All-American a couple of years ago and All-Big Ten last year. He goes through the transfer portal and is now going to be starting at Notre Dame. So to lose a guy of that caliber and uh, kind of like baseball, he's the uh, center fielder, strong up the middle as your safety type of guy. And to not have him out there with leadership and skills, you know, that that's a blow to them. They also lost a really good linebacker. But uh, they'll, they'll be okay on defense. I think they'll drop off a notch. The thing I don't know, because it's not as publicized, is what uh, Coach Fitzgerald was able to uh, glean from the transfer portal. I know they got some help on defense, uh, including a couple, uh, a couple of guys that should help them up front, but they're a little bit unknown. So will Northwestern be better? Yes. Will it translate to wins? I'm not sure, and I'm going to put, unfortunately, more pressure on the quarterback situation to see if that uh, is the big element that helps him turn it. Now, Nebraska, the more I've studied it, looking at a little film from last year toward the end of the season, and really not just looking at wins and losses by nature of W's and L's, but analyzing the games and how they lost, I mean, that was a painful season Mm -hmm. for them to go three and nine. Painful. And to know that they lost to Michigan by three, Michigan State by three in overtime, seven to an excellent Oklahoma team, on and on and on, nine losses by single-digit numbers. So what it tells you is they were close, right? I mean, they were right there in so many different games. And uh, the biggest uh, fault in their three units was the kicking game. Now, uh, the guy that they brought in to coordinate the special teams I worked with, his name is Bill Bush. Bill, uh, it's his second tour of duty, maybe third at Nebraska. Uh, But he was at LSU. uh, He was at Wisconsin. He was with us at Rutgers. Bill's uh, doing strictly special teams trying to cure the ills they had last year. So if they can just not hurt themselves, they don't have to win the game, just don't lose it the special teams that could count for two or three wins there uh here's an interesting stat. bear with me on this one okay. nebraska's all nebraska's offense averaged 447 yards a game total offense which was 20th in the nation mm-hmm. 20th out of 130 okay but scoring average was 70th seven 7-0, zero, 70th in the nation so it just doesn't balance out right you're moving the ball at 20th in the nation but you're only scoring at 70th in the nation
1: so that's an inefficient offense (laughs) they need a red zone offensive coach
3: (laughs) that well that in the kicking game right field goals kicking game etc and the ability to finish drives the ability to not just move it around but like you said lauren red zone etc so You know, they've got a big, big transfer coming in. Everybody in the league knows about it. Casey Thompson started 10 games at Texas last year. And what I like about him, I saw just a couple games where he played, but I like the fact that he completed 63%, but more importantly, threw for 24 TDs and took care of the ball, only nine interceptions. So a 24 to nine ratio. You know, with TDs to INTs, as an offensive guy, I like that. So that's that's a big deal for them. Nebraska's got a decent core of running backs. I think the concern is the retooling they're having to do on the old line They're a little bit thin there, and uh, they didn't have everybody out for spring, so I didn't have eyes in Lincoln on the field during fall camp. But it's really going to be a, a, a key for them to be retooled, healthy, and even if they're a little thin – stay healthy early on where they need to win these games to get their season started. Uh, defensively, they're very solid. They were 47th overall in the country, 36th in scoring, and they also got two big uh, Big 12 defensive guys that came in, an edge rusher from TCU and a defensive tackle from Texas Tech, both guys regular players. So that should give them immediate injection of some help up front in that defensive line. The secondary's really good and they really, you know, I talked about the kicking game. They went to work on helping themselves there. They signed a kicker from Furman who was like one of the top kickers in uh, 1AA or uh, FCS, FCS yeah. last year. Yeah, And uh, also a really good punter who uh, punted at Montana last year, like 45 yards a punt or something. So you talk about you know trying to address the, the ills that you had. They did that in signing those two guys out of the portal to help their kicking game. So I'm a little bit, what's the term, uh, bullish, right? Where you're kind of feeling like good things can happen. I'm kind of bullish on Nebraska, despite the fact that they were 3-9. and nine. I just think there's a lot more there. Uh, I always respected, of course, Scott Frost as a, Players, guttiness, his you know competitiveness, etc. and nobody wants to go through the stuff he's been going through there, especially as a guy who's coming home to rejuvenate the program. But I think with Casey Thompson a quarterback, if their O line stays healthy and the defense just plays solid as does uh, the the kicking game, I think they have a chance to be in the hunt in the West, I really do.
0: He is Coach Q with A's. It's our Coach Q&A segment, Nick Quartiro and a former Big Ten coach and, well, now a friend to us and a contributor in the News Gazette pages as well. This is fun, Nick, and I've been appreciated. Uh, we got a chance to start this last year, and then you ended up coaching overseas, and now <laughs> you're back. So hopefully, this, I I hopefully am. this helps pass your time a little bit.
1: Oh,
3: absolutely. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being out with Lauren and Steve on Saturday, and uh, I know we're going to try and make this a kind of a regular thing, and I really look forward to it.
0: Sure thing. Well, we appreciate your insight. Enjoy the first weekend of games, and we'll be dissecting this all again next week.
3: Yeah, we'll do it again. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the weekend.
0: Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, Appreciate it.
3: All right. Thank you.
0: Talking about a punter bringing in a punter from Montana for, for Nebraska and having a good kick distance. Well, remember there's elevation up there, so <laughs> ball travels farther. That's right. We'll see, but they've had some woeful special well, he's teams. Right issues.
1: about one thing, Nebraska should break out this year. Yeah. They really should. The only problem is that everybody in the West thinks they're maybe with the exception of um, Northwestern, everybody thinks that they're going to be a lot better.
0: Yeah. And you're talking about every team thinks of themselves as yeah, better? Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, I don't know if they're all going to be better, but they all, when you win nine or ten games like most of them did, <laughs> I don't know if they'll be much better. They don't have to be much better they, if they're as good as they were last year. I mean, Wisconsin, w- will they be better or will they just be as good as they were last year? Iowa, I mean, Minnesota. I mean, all these teams winning nine, ten games, You just uh, there's an awful lot of momentum built when you're winning games. should be a fun
0: race. Back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Carry on on Sports Talk. Hope you're doing well. Hey, if you want to come to our tailgate, uh, once again, you can enter on our contest page, wdws.com slash contests, and click there to register, and we'll draw winners tomorrow morning. Speaking of fun things to give away, next hour, some White Sox tickets. Don't want to deter you from Illinois football, but if you do want to go see the White Sox against the Diamondbacks on Saturday night in Chicago, we'll do a giveaway uh, in that regard. Cardinals win over the Cubs. 8-3, the final. So the Cardinals will improve to 72-53. and 53. That's 19 games, Mr. Tate, over 500. And that's a six-game lead at the moment over the Milwaukee Brewers.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the Brewers are happy to get away from the Dodgers. <laughs> that's been a tough series for them.
0: Yeah. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt today had himself a, a ball game with a couple of home runs. Five runs batted in. He's
1: he's rolling. I think his high in his career is 125, and he's got a you know he's he's got a shot at that for sure.
0: It's a lighter day on the big league schedule. The White Sox are in Baltimore, and we will have first pitch for you just after six o'clock right here on uh, DWS. So everybody here in the area is playing, but uh, there's about eight or nine games going on across the league tonight. So a little bit of a lighter schedule. Uh, tomorrow, we'll do the Illini Notebook with Brian Barnhart. Evan will be in for the full two hours as well. And we'll have some other good times. Well, according to Bob Osperson, high school football. Tomorrow night on our sister station, Light Rock ninety seven five for the Cola Wars with Joey and Colin on the call on our sister station.
1: Did you read Carol's story in the news? Was that on the Cola Wars going back for a century? No, that's
0: amazing.
1: I mean, it goes back a hundred years.
0: Yeah, it's it, it, it's it, a battle. And They went down there today to Tuscola to, to to cut a podcast, and uh, they had the two guys, two coaches, standing there at Tuscola's field. So it'll, it'll be a good one. And I, it, it's great to, because um, here in town, you can kind of get a little bit isolated from the rest of the county and the good sports that are going around. So I, I'm glad that we're going to be spotlighting it this way. It's, well, it's no Monticello, mind you. Well, we're off and It's right. not like a Friday night in Monticello. But
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I will say this. Monticello, when I was in school, Tuscola was a lot better than Monticello. Like four touchdowns to one. Something Should they like get that. better
0: after you left, is what well, you're saying? <laughs>
1: it took a while, though. I don't know, oh. wasn't very good in the, uh, for a while, and then they got some really good coaches over time.
0: Yep. All right. Uh, the CU Trade Services, if you haven't, hey, look, the, uh, the weather, it's fine, it's warm, but I think at nighttime you can feel that. That hint of chill, that sense that fall is not too far away. The furnace will need to get kicked up before it's all said and done here. So check out Trades, CU Trade Services. They have a maintenance plan. They can get over there right now and check out and give you a once over and let you know what is going on. Uh, CU Trade Services offers HVAC as well as plumbing and electrical service and installation to residential and commercial clients. Maybe you're going to find yourself in an emergency needing someone, and it's usually when you need one. That's where you want to call. Uh, They're grateful to be serving the community here. They're thankful for all the five-star reviews they're getting. They're thankful for all the business they've been getting, and I invite you to check out why. They have become a go-to place for all your needs in your home when it comes to trade services. CU Trade Services, building better together. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Bit of Illini news as it comes to softball coming down the line today. Yesterday, Illini softball pitching coach Lance McMahon was announced as the new pitching coach at Alabama. So head coach Tyra Perry goes into the SEC to get another pitching coach. It's veteran Van Studeman, former Mississippi State head coach. She spent nearly two decades... In the SEC, she also, ironically or coincidentally, was an assistant coach at Alabama.
1: A lot of experience there, huh? she's ton, got a big staff to work with.
0: Ton of experience. She's been to the Women's College World Series many times. So that's really good. I think Illinois uh, stayed uh, in a good good place with its pitching well, coach. They
1: got a lot of choices to make on the hoop who to pitch with Sickles and Wills and others. I mean, they got they're deep in pitching.
0: Question for you on the text line. How hard will it be for Indiana to acclimate 40 new players and a bunch of new coaches to their program?
1: Absolutely. That's that's uh, the, the thing. We don't know what they're going to do, but they're probably are wondering what they're going to do, too. They're, I think it will be difficult. I think Illinois should beat Indiana, but I think this one game gives Illinois a big advantage. But that's just me. I... I'm not sure, uh, talent-wise, where Indiana is. I don't think they're up with Illinois, but, I, you know, this time last year, we they were complaining because they weren't ranked in the top 10 or 15. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were in the top 25, but they thought they should be higher. Oops.
0: I do think um, mm-hmm. sometimes, though, we think the bottom of the Big Ten East is, really, is worse than it really is because of the league that they're in. Mm-hmm. Tommy DeVito named the starting quarterback today officially. It's what everyone anticipated that had been uh, paying attention to this program for the last several months, but it is formalized, and we will talk about that and much more next hour. Evan Cotton will come in. We'll visit with Illini guys Mike Cagley and Matt Stevens as well. Lauren, hear you Saturday morning, and we'll see you at the game. All right. This is News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana News,